a lot of people live in denial because they think that to be realistic is to be depressing. I'm Dr. Mike, host of Going There. It was the first song where I wrote about how I felt like my depression was killing me and I didn't want it. Going There breaks the stigma of mental health issues by having real honest conversations with your favorite musicians, including Alessia Cara, Lizzie Hale, Jewel, Jason Isbell, Gerard Way, Lauren Gray, Shamir, and Barty Strange. There was something there that was so raw where I was like, wow, I can't believe someone would say that. Let's go there on Going There with Dr. Mike, brought to you by Sound Mind Live and the Consequence Podcast Network every other Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. to this week's Modern Drama Podcast. Billy Amendola here. And today we're going to speak with someone who is uh, kind of the poster child for this new movie on uh, Netflix called Count Me In. And it's uh, an enthusiastic, it's inspiring, it's educational, it's a little bit of everything. And I really hope that everyone gets a chance to, to watch it. You don't even have to be a drummer to enjoy it. And I really hope that it inspires a, a next generation of people to pick up sticks and to play drums because playing drums is fun and it's a cool thing. And today, our special guest who is in the movie and she's, we're gonna talk about it, we're gonna talk about her career. Let's welcome Jess Bowen. How Hi. are you, Jess? I'm good, thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to, to be here and chatting with you again. I know, this is, it's been a while because as we were just saying, you did a couple of on the beach for us and, and I didn't realize how long ago that was. So you've been yeah. out there playing and, and doing your thing now and now. Yeah. The so let's jump right into the movie. Tell, let's do it. <laughs> let's tell me, tell me like how, how it came about. And I, I know uh, Louise King, um, who we both know and, and right. we all love, we all love um, Louise. Um, she, she was one of the uh, directors um, mm -hmm. on it um started working on this what like almost five years ago I think right it was a while ago because I joined you know filming with them in 2018 and they had already been doing it for like you said a few years before that so I think it was probably like 2016 when they started I imagine right um, yeah and then so what happened tell us the process how how did you wind up getting um into the movie and um take us through the process 
yeah, I mean, the whole thing is still wild to me that I'm a, a part of it um, because as you know, anyone who has watched it has seen that it's all of these incredible, amazing drummers, idols of mine, you know, there's Chad Smith is in there, Stephen Perkins, Cindy Blackman, Santana is in there. Um, so, you know, I'm featured, we're kind of the four featured characters, I guess you would say of that, the, the me and the three other drummers that I just mentioned. Um, but I guess initially the way I found out about it was my management at the time had emailed me saying, you know, there's a drum documentary being filmed. They wanna know if they can talk to you. Um, and I just thought it was gonna be like a, you know, just a, an exchange back and forth of, yeah, asking me some questions and that's what's going to be in the film, right? And uh, little did I know that they wanted me to be kind of like the up and coming newbie that they were kind of featuring in there. And so you kind of see them introduce me and uh, I'm definitely out of all of those drummers, the, the newbie. Um, everyone has, has had such amazing careers and uh, it was just, it was wild to be a part of it. And uh, at the very end of it, you see the four of us get into a room and, and jam together. And again, that that is literally the most nervous that I've ever been in my entire life for anything. I mean, tell me to get into a room with three idols of mine and just play drums. And like that, that was the craziest thing uh, <laughs> of my life. But I'm just, I, I am so honored and thrilled to have been able to do it. Um, and again, thanks to Louise King, because I believe she was the one that threw my name into the ring for that, because they were looking for, um, I think specifically, you know, an up and coming kind of female drummer in the industry that had been, you know, just, you know, doing, doing it for a little bit, but still hadn't quite broken through, right? right. And, um, and that's kind of where I think I had been sitting was, you know, I, I was in my band, the Somerset for for about 10 years. Um, and then we went on a hiatus. And I've been playing with other artists since then. But I've kind of always been sitting in, in a certain spot uh, in the industry, uh, still waiting to kind of kind of break through and get to that next level, right? And, um, and I think that's kind of why they they introduced me as that character. Well, that was a great, great choice because you did a great, an amazing job. You, you really shown, you, you know, you shined in that. It was really. Uh, thank was you. Great. I mean, to, to be completely honest with you, I, it's hard for me to look back and watch that very last scene because I, I could tell how nervous I was and I could, I know that my nerves kind of got the best of me. And I know that like, I don't know, I'm very, I'm very critical of myself and I'm like, oh, I feel like I could have, you know, I wanted to play a different part or I wish I played better or something like that, but I'm still very happy with, with how it turned out and that I was yeah. just uh, in that room, you know? No, you don't, you don't come off as nervous. I didn't get that impression at all. So now oh, people, thank you. Now they're going to watch it and they're going to go, well, let me see. She, <laughs> but it doesn't matter because you play brilliant, brilliantly. So it doesn't, you thank know, you. fine. And I appreciate that. Having, Everybody was having fun. That's what I liked about it. It wasn't like, oh, you know, it's a drum battle, you know, between four people. It was like everybody was just playing and having fun. And that's you in the drum circle in the beginning as well, right? Yeah, yeah. We shot at this with, conservatory. With, yeah, the, yeah, like that's in L.A., the L.A. conservatory. Right? It's in L.A., yeah. And, um, and that was, oh, it was amazing. And that was the first thing that I ever filmed, actually, for, for this documentary was out at this conservatory, uh, Stephen Perkins obviously was there and he was kind of the drum leader and they kind of introduced me with him, uh, you know, him playing and then me kind of playing along with him some percussion instruments. And then we just had a big group of people with us and, and it really was, they just made it fun. It wasn't like they were like, okay, people do this or do that. It was just, 
hey, people that have never even played drums before were there and they were like, we just want you to like pick up an instrument, move around, try different things, have fun with it. And I think you really, you know, you captured that in, in that scene. It was just people Absolutely. having fun playing drums. Absolutely. And that's what makes it so enthusiastic about like, you know, inspiring people to want to play. Because right. I had a couple of friends call that were watching it. You know, they just watch whatever's new on Netflix. They're not musicians. And they love the whole, the way it was put together about, you know, the pots and pans. Because we all know about the pots and pans. Because we all, right. that's how we all started. We but all did it. To them, it's like something like, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. And then the kids screaming, getting their drum sets. I mean, we all had that feeling. So it captures, yes. like, you know, it's all natural and organic, which 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 makes it, the film real which, it's which, so true yeah, yeah. my fr I watched it with my friends we had like a viewing party and none of them are drummers uh, maybe a few of them are musicians but most of them were just friends of mine that had you just wanted to watch it because they wanted to support me and it was the same thing like you said with the pots and the pans and the reactions mm -hmm. when they got like they got they were everyone biggest smiles on their faces in the room when they saw that happening they're like that's so cool did that happen to you did you do that they I just know. make it so yeah and it's relatable for us as drummers like you said we all have been there. That's we've all been playing on pots and pans. We all do the same. You know, we have our drummer. I don't know little things that we do that we've all done, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, one last thing on, on the film, and then we'll go. We'll go get a little bit into your career. Um, the the Ross Garfield, the Drum Doctors, because uh, yes. you know Ross love Ross as well. Um, how 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 is that experience? I mean, it's shown. We don't want to give away too much, but I mean, it's pretty wild, right? And it's, the sounds that. Yeah, he he's amazing. And I was, again, just so honored to, to work with him. And, uh, and yeah, they, they kind of paired us up to, to have our kind of stories intertwined as far as me coming in to find, you know, a drum kit to use for, for the jam. And was that the first time? Is that the first time you guys met? Yes, it actually was. And, and you'll see it in the movie, I, I do go into and, and see for the first time, you know, the the whole warehouse of drums and snares and everything that I was just like a kid in a candy store right like that's just any drummer's dream is to walk into just that big of a place it's like all these drums and some drums that you like never even heard of before that's like a one-of-a-kind thing you know it was just it was so just an amazing experience and he's just the best he's such a yeah. sweet he made me feel so comfortable and knew exactly what I wanted and knew how to get the tones out of the drums that I wanted just for me you know I, I feel like I wasn't even that good at, at explaining what I wanted I was like I don't know I just really like big sounding drums like I just want them to sound big and he he did I mean he did exactly what I wanted that's and, it I, I like I like when he said you know I'll make them sound as big as you want without giving you all my secrets Exactly. Because, yeah, I mean, I still can't make my drums sound like that. <laughs> like, he did it. He did it all. So He's been doing it for so many years and so many records. I mean, some guys, you know, I, I know I've been fortunate enough. I did a Hal Blaine thing years ago uh, with Hal and Jim Keltner and J.R. Rocks, wow. a whole bunch of people. And I did sound check uh, for them. So Russ set everything up. And when I sat behind that kid, it, to this day, it's probably the, the best sounding kid I think I've ever sat behind him and just sat right. down and it, and it feels good the way like he, he makes it sound good and it feels so good when you're playing it too I mean it's just he's obviously that's why he is the drum doctor <laughs> yeah for those of you out there that, that don't know about the drum doctor you should check that out especially if you're making records in in LA in California absolutely yeah he's the best so let's go let's go back now oh, we mentioned you mentioned the, the Somerset that was your band 
you you made about what five or six albums right We're, we made so we made four albums and uh like one or two eps uh back in our day and then we went on a hiatus in 2017 actually um and, and then now recently back together i heard right yes actually you know serendipity at its finest our band got back together the day before the documentary came out uh, wow. on netflix yeah I love, i love stuff like that yeah and it was pure coincidence like i said serendipity i mean it was you know we had planned our announcement maybe like you know a month before we're like okay on august 23rd we're gonna announce that we're back together and then maybe a day or two later i had gotten a screenshot from uh you know a person on instagram and from australia actually and they were like is this you and it was the picture of the documentary saying coming august 24th and so i was like how is this possible like within 24 hours of each other my band is announcing getting back together and this documentary that i filmed years ago is coming out basically the same day meant to, meant to be i love circumstance i say it all the time the way yeah. things happen and fall into place is always the way it should it's it, it's hard to plan things i mean I get yelled at all the time because I don't like to plan. I like, you know, spontaneity and that's always the best. It's like, yeah. you know, of course you have to plan certain things like, like we had to plan this today. So we know, you know, we couldn't just pick up the phone and say, Hey, Jess, can you do this right now? But right. I, I don't like planning, like, especially if a new record's coming out or when it's coming out or, you know, it's yeah. spontaneity and circumstance, you know, yeah. and, and the film, who knows if the film would have came out three years ago, it may not have made the impact that it's making now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, no, no one knows. So I love all that. Yeah. So talking about the way the way things happen. Um, so now you guys did a lot, you know, Lollapalooza and all that, right? You did you, you did some really big shows. We did a lot of we yeah, we did a lot of the warp tours. We um, you know, we we did like Soundwave in Australia, we did some festivals in the UK. Um, but yeah, we were mostly that like the kind of warp tour scene, I would say here in the US is what we were mostly a part of. So you have so you've had quite a good number of years touring, experience touring. Yeah, yeah. I started touring literally right out of like high school. So I was 18 years old when we got signed to our first label and they were like, cool, you gotta hit the road. So, you know, that was like 2007, 2008. So I have been touring since I was 18 and, uh, and yeah, it was 2007 or eight when it started. Right. Now going back, I know uh, your dad played drums, right? He did, yeah, yeah. So what, 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 is, what does he say? Like, like he saw the film? Yes, of course he was, so proud and like you know maybe he shed a tear I'm not quite sure I didn't watch it with him but he's just so proud because you know he's a drummer he got me and my older brother into drums you know it was it was that was the thing in the family was like we were the, the drummers you know um and I I'm so appreciative because I almost didn't do it I didn't want to play drums at first because uh I don't know I guess I I maybe because when I was younger and I was like so influenced by the way society was kind of like, well, girls don't play drums, right? Like that was kind of how I grew up in that kind of age where, you know, it did, it, you didn't see many female drummers besides like Sheila E was the really only drummer that I knew. And so I didn't really want to get into it, to be honest with you. I just didn't think of it. Um, but luckily my dad kind of I don't want to say he forced me, but he kind of bribed me because he told me, you know, if, if you just play drums for like a year in the school band, I'll get you that guitar that you've always wanted and then just didn't get me the guitar. So I had to stick with the drums. <laughs> there you go. 
and you see it worked it, it all worked out so it did and, and, yeah. and, it's, and I'm so happy that more and more women and that's why I hope even that this film encourages more and more women because now like Sheila just won um a hall of fame she's the first woman ever to be in the modern drama hall of fame which I is saw that. Third, but we never really thought about it until like when, when her and Cindy were nominated we were like wow you know if, if one of them win it'll be the first and, and, and it was the first time that it's like it dawned on us and it was like, and even Sheila, you know, all of us, we were like, it's about time. Yes, it's about yeah. time. But now that's going to open it up. You know, I mean, of course, women have won other categories in the Reader's Poll, but never the right. Hall of Fame. So it's that incredible. was a, that was a big, yeah, that was a, that was, that was a biggie for, uh, for, for Sheila. So again, Sheila, congrats. Always going to be, you're, you're, you're the, you're the leader of this now. So everyone's going to, and, and, and she was an influence on you, obviously. Who else? Who else she, was in growing up? Well, so yeah, Sheila E., of course. Um, how could she not be an influence? But um, other than that, you know, my dad, I would say that my first influences were kind of bands that my, my dad raised me on. So, you know, we listened to a lot of Journey, Boston, Chicago, and those were some of the first songs that I learned how to play on drums. But if I were to say, like, the way that I play now and who influenced me in the way that I play now it would be probably like, you know, Chad Smith, Taylor Hawkins, Dave Grohl, Travis Barker. And right. those are kind of, I think in my playing, that's kind of where I gather, that, I get influence. That, and that's your generation. Yes, it's exactly. the other, All the other stuff, the classic rock, which you probably, even if you didn't, if dad didn't turn you on then, you'd probably just be discovering that stuff now. Right. Right, exactly. Because of course, everyone knows Journey, Boston, Chicago, right? But it was exactly. like, at, at the time, my dad would be listening to, to these bands. And so I would take his CDs and, and put them in my, my disc man and sit on the drum kit and just learn these songs. Uh, because these were, you know, CDs that he had around the house. Um, right. And, and then being in jazz band, because that was like I said, my dad had told me to, to go into the school band to learn drums. I was in jazz band. So I was learning, you know, uh, Buddy Rich and like I said, Chicago 26 to four was one of the first right, 25 right. or six to four was one of the first songs I learned. And um, uh, yeah, just I, I like I like what you said, though. I read something um, and I, I, rem I remember you saying something about you. You didn't really like reading music because you felt that it was taking away from the way that you felt. Yes, I thought that was great because. I did the same thing and I get yelled at, sorry, but I, I, no, I, I learned how to read, mm -hmm. but I never liked it. You know, I just, yeah. and I had, and thank, thankfully I had such a good ear that I would, you know, cheat. I would go for lessons and I'd do it wrong. And the teacher would say, no, like this. And then I'd remember what he did. And then I would just get the paper and do it until he realized what I was doing, you know, that it right. you know, wasn't really, I was just going by what I was just copying what he did and he thought I was reading it. But I, I felt the same way. So I, I related to you when you said that. So do you, yeah. do you think that that's what made you learn quicker or get your feel? Like, are you happy like now that you did that? Yeah, I think, you know, I struggled. I did struggle in jazz band because I was, I was trying so hard to play exactly what was written on the paper. And then when I was taking drum lessons, uh, my first drum teacher, it was the same thing. You know, he'd write out parts for me to play. And I was so focused on reading it 
instead of like, how would this feel? Like, just like listen to the song or listen to like him play this and feel it. And the thing is drummers all, we all have our own feel and we are all going to play things differently. And I love, I think that's great. I don't think it's fair. I don't want to say it's fair or not fair, but I don't think it's like necessarily right to tell someone they have to play something a certain way. For instance, me being, you know, uh, for the last few years, I was a hired gun. I was playing with all these different artists and I know they've all had drummers before, but I'm going to bring in my feel to this set as opposed to another drummer that you've had before. They're going to have their, their feel. And I'm not saying one is right over the other it's just that's what you get with drummers we're bringing our feel our style there's different dynamic that we have there's ways that we play that are just different and and you can't tell someone that they have to feel it that way because they you just won't right so um i just think it's you know obviously in school people are teaching you to read music but uh it took i finally started playing better and i think my teacher even realized it when i just started feeling the music and i would just listen to the songs and then instead of reading the music, I would just feel it. Right. So. And, and it's also, it's according to, I'm, and you know, we're not saying that schooling is bad because schooling right. has a purpose, but there is a purpose. So right. you, you like me probably just wanted to play music and be in a band and play mm-hmm. music where most people who do that don't read music, you know, because they write songs and they play, like you say, with feel even if you're playing, you know, if you're doing studio work back in the day, yes, if you were doing certain studio work, charts were, were needed. If you were doing jingles, if you mm-hmm. were doing uh, movie scores, you know, right. and there's people like Steve Gadd, of course, we can name all the people that are so, so good at Dave Weckl, you know, reading something, but also making it feel good. But there's not a lot, a lot of people that can do that. This kind of, that's what always kind of got, like, got me. Like, you can have a guy be or a girl be so technical and read every single note perfect. But then I always feel like you take the music away and there's like, where's the groove? Where's the feel? Yeah. You know, but if you want, if that's the kind of drummer you want to be and you want to play in a pit or you want to play, you know, on a Broadway show, you have to know how to read. So Absolutely. It's, really, it's really, you know, it's, it's according to what you want to do. And I think that's what we try to teach people. You know, you, you have the option. If you want to go to school and learn how to, how to play, study with the best. And I, and I do believe it is good to go take lessons from a teacher just to get a different perspective because then you get locked into your own thing and you pick up bad habits. You don't have somebody saying, well, you shouldn't do it like that. Try it like this. Right. You know? So schooling, I'm not saying don't go to school for, for music. I'm just saying just think about how you want to use it later on. And then right. learn, learn the rudiments and all of that. Yes, because that's all good for warm up. And, and if you're going to play a solo, you know, you need all those rudiments. But exactly. playing a groove that feels good, I don't think that that can be taught. I think that that's just something that, like you say, everybody has their own and you do it. Exactly. And again, that's, that's just how I feel about it. But like you said, I mean, the best drummers that I know are all people that went to school for it and they all read music almost the entire time. And there's, again, nothing wrong with that. I just you know, that wasn't the way that I felt like I could really succeed in the drumming world. Like I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was doing well when I had to read music and play drums, right, but right. you know, it and works it, for a lot of people. Yeah, it worked for you. Right. That's, that's, yeah. that's what, that's what we, the point I want to get across. So that, 
you know, we don't, we're not discouraging people to go to school. That's not exactly not at all. Yeah. That's not the point. <laughs> so, so now do you teach dad? Do you, do you show dad some things you guys play together at all? Or you know, like- it's, it's so funny. We, we don't jam together that often, but like he will, so he'll come to, you know, he comes to every show that I play that's in Arizona or, uh, he, he grew up in Baltimore. So sometimes if he flew out to visit, fam- like he'd go visit family and come to my shows in Baltimore. Um, but anytime he comes to those shows, he'll like watch me and be like, what you did in that one song, that's a really cool part. Like, I want to like try and play. And he was like, oh, those things that you do in this song, like that's something that I would do. Like he likes to compare, like the, he'll come to the shows and watch what I do and be like, I would do that too. Or he'll be like, that was really cool. I want to start incorporating that. And what I do, uh, because my dad is, he's playing right now. He's in a, a, a Pink Floyd tribute band in Arizona. Wow. And they play. I, yeah, I love this kind of stories. Yeah. And, and they play all over Arizona and like everyone loves them. And uh, and so I think my dad like is just appreciating that we're both like, he likes to take some things that I do live and incorporate it in like what he does or like vice versa. I went and saw him play with his band and I was like, this is so cool. Cause like, I never really grew up I, I just saw him like jamming around the house, but I never really saw him play with like his band and he grew up playing in bands. Right. And so right. this is the first time that I've really been able to like watch him play in a band. And I'm just like, oh, it's so cool seeing you in, your, in the live element and like these parts that you do. It's like, we definitely take a little bit. Uh, we're very, I feel like we're similar drummers because obviously I grew up listening to him play, but it's just cool to like see it, you know? Yeah, well, to, yeah, to watch that performance and, and, and him as a dad, and as a player, I'm sh- I know he's very, very proud of you. That goes without saying. I mean, and, and it's a cool that that's a very cool, cool story. I, I, I love things. I love stories like that. I mean, and, yeah. you know, and um, Nick Mason um, is in the is in the film. He's so in the film. Yeah. That, so my dad was very excited about that, too. So, <laughs> yeah, no, because yeah, you brought it up. And, and lately, he like a lot of people have been talking about, like, how underrated he kind of was because, like, you know, Roger Waters and, and uh, Dave Gilmore kind of like, you know, overpowered that band so much. And Nick kind of just like did what he had to do. But, yeah. you know, the, they were brilliant parts that he played and, you know, he did his job. And it adds to the music, right? That's also how I feel about uh, the way I play as a drummer. Like, you know, people could say someone's not as technical or whatever but I think it's like if you're in a band you need to elevate the music and if you're the drummer of a band you want to elevate and play to the music and play the right parts to make you know it sound good it doesn't need to be a drum you know solo for like a song or whatever but I think it's important to as drummers like in bands to make sure that you're playing to the music and really making sure that song gets to where it needs needs to be you know right right you play because you're, you're you're a song type drummer you yeah. You understand, you know, which is, we try to stress that too, because, um, you know, it's the same thing. There's no wrong or right way. You know, even the other day, somebody was saying about, they saw me, I still, you know, when I learned to play, I played traditional. So they, uh, you know, little girl, she's nine years old. I was showing her something and she's going to be, I mean, she's got it. She can play the drums. There's no offense. She blew my mind. Like everything I showed her, she was able, even opening the hi-hat, like usually. Oh, I love that. You don't get that that. on the first lesson, but now it's like. And she was nine? Nine she's nine? Wow. So so she saw me holding a stick like this. She kind of told me that I was holding the stick wrong. So it was pretty funny because I was like, 
yeah, well, I'm old, and this is the way I learned how to play. But I could play like this, and then I showed her, you know, that I could play like that. But I'm still more right. comfortable playing like that. So I get my point to her that I'm trying to make here is there's no right or wrong way. Same thing with her foot. Like you know, she said uh, she saw me playing with my. I play with my ball on my foot with my heel up most of the time. Right, That's me too. Why I'm comfortable. She likes to play. She thought she was playing wrong because she plays with her foot on the pedal. Oh, and so she's like, using no. like so. So she was trying to do it with just the ball, and she couldn't do it. But as soon as I said, "No, no, no, no," there's no right or wrong. Just like with the stick, you're you're holding the stick this way now. Just keep your foot on, and then she was able to do what I told her to do on the bass drum, like right. Just so, play it how you can do it, right? Like it, you can hear it, and just play it how you feel like you're hearing it. You know, right? And and it's you know, and it all comes down to what kind of drummer you want to be. Yes, yeah, I agree with that for sure. So now are you guys, are you going to go back out on tour now with the band? Um, yeah, I think the plan is, so we, we did just release our first song last week. And like, that's the first song we've released in like five years. So I think we're just planning on writing a bunch more because we want to release an album um, sometime next year, hopefully earlier next year. Um, but we do have a festival that we're playing in Arizona. That's our first show back. It's called the 8123 Festival. Um, and that's going to be in January. And then uh, I think we're just going to, like I said, finish the album and just we're kind of playing it by ear. You know, we do have, you know, some tour offers, but I think we're trying to wait to see what feels right, because we do want to get this album done. And not only that, these these days, it, it's unfortunately back to one day at a time. It's, it's hard to project. That too. Exactly. Touring, you know, I know everybody wants to go out and I know everybody wants to tour. But everybody has to be careful because this, you know, it's it's not going away. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there's a problem. So I know as much as people want to play and everybody wants to go to shows and everybody wants to play, it has to be done a certain way and it has to, everybody has to be careful. Yeah. Yeah. So who but, knows you know, where next, we're going to be? Before you know it, it's just only a few more months left. It'll be next year. That's the thing. I know it's going to go by so quickly and then we'll already be into next year. But like you said, you just got to take it day by day because right now, you know, a bunch of a, a bunch of shows and tours had been announced and then canceled just like that again. You oh, know? it's scary. It's scary. I mean, I know right? it, it's it, it is scary, but it yeah. gives you time now to get together and write. So you're involved in the writing as well. Yeah. So what's great about uh, us getting back together as a band is that we kind of wanted to take it back to, to kind of the beginning, how we kind of started basically in our bedrooms in Arizona. We were all friends and it would be like, let's just get together and write and just see what happens and have fun. And that's what we wanted to do if we got back together as a band. And so that's what we've been doing. It's just been the four of us. And our bass player is, is a producer. He and he's been doing all of our, you know, production for our new stuff, and that's made it easier too because we don't need to go somewhere else to to get right, right. anything done. He's just producing it in house, and um, and it just makes it easier. And we've been having a great time doing it. So I'm involved in the writing process, and it's been really fun and just you know taking it back to to the good old days when we used to do this just for fun. You know, that's that's. That's the reason why people play drums, you know, it's yeah, and, and or music in general, you know, and, and start bands. We need more bands. We, 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 we desperately need more bands out there. Yes. Yeah, definitely. So, because, I mean, top 40 radio. Yes. I mean, radio is not what it was. 
you know, I, I sound old because I say radio still, um, but. I know what you mean though. Like yeah, top 40 just, radio has been, especially these last, what the last, I don't know how many years it's been where it's just it's really, program, you don't hear drums, right? Yeah, it's, it's, program, it's programmed drums. I mean, I did that stuff in the seventies, you know, and in the eighties mm-hmm. and the nineties. So it's like, yeah, you can have some programming drums in there, a loop or something, but when it's completely all robotic, if it's a dance song, if it's a certain kind of song, but not every single song. Right, right. And I love that our band, we are kind of going back to like our rock roots, like our pop rock roots, which is why now we're like, you know, I'm playing drums on every song. Whereas, like you said, we had like an album or two where I didn't play anything on it because it was all programmed, but I was obviously the in the band, it was just, I would have to take those parts and interpret them to play the live parts because some of them, I mean, they're not like real drum sounds, right? So you have to take these sounds that you're like, what would I play that would basically sound like this live? Um, right. Now, when you guys, when, when, when you and the, and the guys re- record, do you like to re- record together as a rhythm section, like the old, like old school or do you? We actually do it separate still. Yeah, so like basically, a song will be laid down and then I'll have like a drum day where I go in and just record all the drums over the songs. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it just, it just depends because it's harder right now because we're all in different areas. So right. I think if we were all in one place, yeah, I'd be like, okay, let's go in and do it maybe this certain way. But, um, but yeah, we're still doing it like a song. I'll have a song and it'll be like, okay, you're, we're going in and doing drums for this now and I lay the drums down for it. Right. But everybody's playing and everything's not getting chopped up and put on the grid. And Yeah. We're all playing. Yeah. Definitely all playing, which is, which Good. is really nice too. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's talk, let's talk a little bit about gear. What, what, tell us all, what, what all the gear you use. Yeah. Okay. So I, uh, I'm very fortunate and lucky. I'm, I'm a DW artist and a Sabian artist, Vader artist and Remo artist. So I've got a, a DW collector's kit um, that I, I absolutely love. It's a, it's a white sparkle with gold hardware. I can't tell you how many people comment on this kit anytime I'm on tour. Everyone sees it and they're like, that is a beautiful kit. And it sounds just as good as it looks, obviously. Um, nice. I love it. And, uh, and an interesting thing about this kit is because I went to the DW factory and John Good was giving me the tour and, and telling me about all the different, you know, the different woods and all this, and <laughs> was recommending, recommending, you know, these sizes to me. So he, he recommended, I have a 23 inch kick drum, which I feel like is, is, you know, no one really has a 23, right? And, and so- Remo makes a head for that? Remo not, does, not they do, not but- not you can't find it in stores. So obviously anytime I need new heads, I have to, because I'm, I'm again, fortunate enough that luckily I have a sponsorship to them that I, I can get those heads, but you wouldn't find those really in stores. Right. Yeah. So, but yeah. It was 23, uh, 23. Yeah. That's odd. It's very odd, but it, you know, he was like, I swear by this. It sounds amazing. And uh, I mean, he's right. I, I do love that, that kick drum. It's just funny because yeah, you can't find that head anywhere <laughs> unless you order yeah, it. Yeah, well, it's, it's a good way to Chris Hart and everybody keep going there at Remo. Hey, Chris. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, That's cool though. And, and, that, and I'm sure that gives it a, a little of a, a unique sound. It does. It's, it's, you know, I normally went with, I think my last two or three kits before that were all 24 inch kicks. And then I was like, oh, I guess I'll try it. Like, I was just going to do like a 22. And he's like, why don't you tr- try a 23? And I was like, 
okay. And I did it and I love it. I really love yeah, it. There you go. Try, why not? Open mind to try different things is how, and then if you didn't like it, you just say, nah. <laughs> nah, send me another one, please. <laughs> yeah. and then, uh, <laughs> but of course, John Good, I mean, he knows his stuff, right? Obviously. Uh, yeah, John, John, John is a genius when it comes to building drums. <laughs> oh, exactly. That's why I was like, I trust you, even though this sounds odd, I'm going to do it. Um, and so, yeah, so, so I've got that and then I've got, uh, now in the studio, in the studio, do you, is that what you use in the studio as well? Or you have a different setup for the studio? Yeah. Yeah. I will use that in studio. Um, and then obviously live. Yeah. That's the kit I've been using since like 2015. Um, and so, yeah, I love it. Love it so much. And it keeps Um, the sound consistent as well. It keeps the what? It keeps your sound consistent. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And then I've been with Sabian for, a while. honestly, I've been with Sabian and Vader the longest I've been with them since I pretty much started in the Somerset. And I, I just love working with them. Um, Sabian symbols. I mean, I, I have so many different sets, but I feel like my favorite set that I've been using right now are my HHX kind of series. I've got mm-hmm. the HHX hats. Um, the legacy ride is like my favorite. I use a 22 inch legacy ride as a ride, but then I also crash on it. Right. Um, it's a, yeah, obviously a big rock sound. So it's like only when you're playing like huge venues, but if you're in a small place, that's going to be too much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm trying to think what else I, I use universal sticks with, with Vader. I've been playing universals since like 2010. Um, and I've pretty much stuck with those ever since. Again, it's like just a good heavy hitting because I, I used to break a lot of sticks and I still break them, but I do, I, I tend to hit really hard and I do a lot of rim shots on the snare. So I need a, a really sturdy uh, stick and that that has done the job. So what what um, what are some things that you, like your warmups, like before you go on, on stage? Because being that you do hit hard because you're still young, you have that energy and that power um what 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 are you some of your techniques your warm-ups well of course you just kind of go through like some rudiments I just have a practice pad in about like maybe an hour before I get on stage I'll just start doing just rudiments whether it's doubles paradiddles you know singles and just rolls I just need to like I loosen up my you know my hands and, and my forearms as much as possible and then I just do a lot of stretching because um I do hit hard but I do play a lot like my body is very involved when I play. Um, so I do, I have to stretch a lot. I stretch my neck, I stretch my arms, stretch my legs because, um, you know, I also play with like the ball of my foot. So I feel like I'm always like on the edge of my seat and I'm right. in and you got to get that calf kind of warmed up. Right. So I do a lot of warmups with that. Um, but yeah, it's pretty much just that. And then I, I do drink like a Red Bull before I play, <laughs> give me that extra energy. <laughs> That's that's the thing. That's always my little go-to is is drinking. I know. I, I I don't I don't know how healthy that is though. It's not. It's definitely not. It's a sugar-free Red Bull. Is that healthier? A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I know. At one time, that that was the thing. Everybody with the Red Bull and all the energy drinks and but. Yeah. Like I it, said, you're young yet, so like you can you can get away with that, but you know you. Drinking Red Bull could be just as dangerous in the long run as drinking, you know, a, a shot it's of true. vodka. It could be. It could be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it also depends on who I'm playing with, though, because, you know, recently I've been playing with um, some other like indie pop artists. Um, 
singer songwriter kind of. So there's an mm-hmm. artist I play with named Tessa Violet and very fun to play with, but it, you know, doesn't take as much energy out of me. It's not rock, right? right? right. It's not like me needing to play like a whole rock set where I need that energy. Um, so for instance, with her, I don't necessarily need, need the Red Bull, but, (laughs) 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 but with my band, I do. (laughs) It makes sense. So, um, before we, before we go, let, um, being that you've had such, such real life experience being on the road recording, I mean, pretty much doing it all, um, and, and everything happening for you. I'm so happy for you that, that things are just getting better and better and things are opening up more and more. Um, what, what advice would you have for, for your 15 year old, like what you know now, if you had to go back and give advice to yourself, like your, your 15 year old self? I mean, I would definitely say just be persistent. Don't ever give up because, you know, there was a time where I just thought, that I was going to stop doing it because I thought that I needed to be at such a different level and I was getting down on myself all the time. So if I just were to tell my 15 year old self, just be happy with where you're at, just keep doing it and and appreciate it and just keep doing it because it's just going to keep getting better. And at least that's how I feel. Like, I feel like as years have gone on, things have just gotten better. So if I could tell that to 15 year old me, I would do that so that I would never have gotten down at any point in my life. That, that's, that's excellent advice. That's fantastic. And that's what I want all the younger generation to man, boy or girl, you know, doesn't nowadays. It's like, I was always against the whole, uh, you know, the hit like a girl contest and things. It's like, I, I saw the purpose, but I also, I never liked the expression, oh, she's pretty good for a girl, no matter what instrument, if it was drums, guitar, you know, right. I mean, I loved, I loved heart back in the day. Not once did I think, oh, she's pretty good for a girl. I mean, no, I just, I, I you know, I just never, until it was brought up, you know, the society started turning it into like, oh yeah, well, yeah, she's pretty good for a girl. I mean, yeah. what, what's the difference? It's like, you know, there, there's no difference. So. I agree with that. I think I think it would be nice to eliminate just the terms of, yeah, like really good for a girl or like, yeah. but like you just said, I mean, it, it should be, that, that used to be my biggest pet peeve on tour when, you know, people at the shows would come up and be like, wow, you're so good for a girl. I'm like, that's such a backhanded com- compliment. You don't understand. Like just, you didn't need to say the latter half. Can you just, I know. you know? <laughs> I, I believe me, I, 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 I know. In, and you know what? It's society in a way, but things are changing, thank God. Um, you know, it, yeah. it, it, it's taken longer. And where where to fall to? Sheila, you know, Sheila made that quite clear. We didn't really think about that either. Like, why was then? There just never was because now all of a sudden in the last couple of years, there's there's so many women playing drums that are great. But back then, especially when I was growing up. Parents didn't want, number one, playing drums, whether you're a boy or a girl. It's right. loud. It's an expense. It's hard to get parents to give that support. Right. Actually, you came from a musical family, so you had that. That was one obstacle that you didn't have to worry about. But then it was like, well, girls don't play drums. You know, you know, growing up, I heard that so much. Well, girls don't play drums. You know, so like girls don't play baseball. You know, girls don't. Yeah. Oh, she's not on my team. You know, if there was one girl I wanted to play because she was a tomboy, 
considered a tomboy, you know. So what? You're like she was better right. than half of the guys that I had to choose to, to pick. I was like, no, I'll take her. Because <laughs> I knew she was gonna hit it over the fence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. It's it's pretty crazy. I'm I am just happy to see that it's that it is changing. Like you said, I mean, there's just I cannot tell you there's so many amazing female drummers out there now. And it just makes me so happy because again, like like you even mentioned when like growing up, it's just, there were no other females that I felt like I, at least not at the the level where they'd be visible, right? right. Like, right. like at the level of, like you said, a Sheila E, there were not many Sheila E's. There weren't Sheila E is Sheila E. That's all you have, right? At the time. So I didn't have any other female drummers to look up to. Or and to then think- we, had, you know, we had Karen Carpenter, but right. Karen, you know, she played on some songs, how Blaine, of course, played on, on a lot of that stuff. And she was visible, but she was kind of like the first girl you saw on TV playing the drums. And that became like, uh, you know, like a novelty kind of thing. But then people were like, wow, I, I could, because a, a lot of young, well, older than you now, they will, you know, they'll, they'll mention Karen as, as an influence only because they were little and they grew up, you know, around that that period but for your generation yeah Sheila I mean and then once Sheila started playing with Prince um who was you know as we all know one of the greatest musicians in the world he's not going to take just anybody so you know yeah he wanted her (laughs) because he knew how great she was exactly and you know she said what you said you know you just don't give up there were times you know that was part of her advice too You, you know just there are times that you're going to feel like you want to give up, but you just, you don't give up. If that's your passion, you just go for it. Yeah. And, and you, you know, gut feelings, it works with everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's true. Well, I want to, I want to thank you so much for taking the time out this afternoon to do this with us. And I wish you continued success. Good luck with the band. Please be careful on the road. If you do go out on the road. Yeah. Thank you so much. And again, thank you so much for having me. It's, it's just great to be here and chatting with you. Yeah, no, it's, 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 I'm happy for you. Thank you. Appreciate it. And everybody check out, count me in. Yeah. Check it out. (laughs) See you next time, everybody. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Saving money on everything for your next project at Menards. It doesn't matter what job you're up against. Works cordless power tools and lawn equipment have the power for you to get the job done faster and easier. The PowerShare 20-volt batteries run longer on a single charge, and they can be used with other tools. Check out Menards' entire selection of works, cordless power tools, and lawn equipment. Plus the weekly flyer today on Menards.com. Save big-